you're a man. You're a father. You're a brother. You're a son. You're a husband. You are a man. But in today's culture and society, what does that mean? How can you live an absolutely fulfilling life? Maintain a passionate, intimate relationship? Be a good dad? Be the nice guy everyone expects you to be? And still be all you want to be as a man? In this podcast, we explore everything it means to be the best version of yourself as a man and still fulfill all the roles you want to fulfill with strength, courage, mastery, and honor. We are a tribe of awakened men. Here's your host, Scott Landis. This is Husband on Fire. That's cheesy, Daddy. Hey, here we are again. This is episode three of Husband on Fire podcast uh, here uh, with your host, Scott Landis. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm great, Gunner. Thanks for joining me here. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. It's an honor to be here running the sidecar here for you on the podcast episode three. We've been having so much fun and talk about transformation and fatherhood, just the whole bantering on episode two on the on the car seat. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, keep sending in your ideas of how do we make doggone car seat work, right? We've got to make yeah. it man-proof and stuff. But we've been basically check out those episodes. But uh, this this episode here, Scott, I mean, from what I'm understanding is that we're both actually broadcasting live from the uh, the seat of a big truck, right? We're, we're, we're in trucks today, aren't we? Yep. Uh, this uh, this feels like a monster truck. Um, in my mind, I think it's a more monster truck than it actually is, but it's pretty high. Got a lift kit and everything. Yeah, it's it's like it's like the classic. You know, I mean, we, we you see a big truck, and you know, we're talking about talking about confidence today, right? Just some of the fun things that we do it as guys. You know, where we're you know you you you've got you've had friends we have friends you know and it's like i used to drive a truck right mm-hmm. and um <laughs> big truck small guy and um but the confidence and things that we do and uh you kind of had that experience recently with a friend didn't you yeah i got i got into one of my good friends um he's uh he's a little shorter than i am and i got into the the truck after he oh, he no. just got get, it you know he's, get you in trouble here man he, he's been wanting this truck forever he finally gets it and i get in and i'm like dang this truck feels good this is this is a big truck i said i said did your penis just get bigger and uh he he was very quick-witted he's like uh actually i think it got a little smaller <laughs> i just thought that was funny <laughs> oh man we, i don't want to get you in trouble for bringing that up scott Honestly, yeah I, you're not gonna get in trouble are you? probably well i mean sometimes because we play off of insecurities sometimes and we don't want to because you know we can overplay the confidence because we have insecurities and, and so i just right. want to be mindful of that scott i just i just don't want to get in trouble but we're talking about just the ways that guys could be macho and just mm-hmm. kind of overplay our confidence. But we really all just have, we all have insecurities. What are some of the other things that guys do, do you think? What do we do that just like tries to portray ourselves as this, this confident macho guy? Well, um, the, the one that comes to mind for me is like, uh, whenever your woman uh, walks up next to you and like puts, grabs your arm, like, do you just let it dangle there, or do you like flex that thing? Do you like you you don't you don't want oh, yeah. it to just like you, you kind of have to make it make sure it feels nice and strong and big in her <laughs> hands, right? I mean, because yeah, I mean, what would she like think the, otherwise, right? The beach is over there, <laughs> but I'd like to know. I mean, have you? I'd like to hear from the listeners, guy, if they actually done that before, you know? And do you flex? Mm-hmm. Do you, you know? Do you kind of raise up a little bit square the shoulders so but you're talking confidence today we're talking insecurities it was a powerful conversation that you have you're sharing with the listeners and once you tell us a little bit about it yeah i got to interview darren and he's uh he's a 
awakened man. He's a husband, he's a father. But what was really cool about Darren is he opened up about how pretty much his whole life he's dealt with this insecurity. But what I love about his story is he, he talks about over the last three to six months, he's been in this huge growth curve. He's been on the Awaken Man program and he's been getting a lot of confidence and realizing where the insecurities come from. He broke through all that stuff. And what's what's the best thing about it is he has raised his own standards and he talks a lot about how he's done that, a lot of practical ways and uh, the, the benefits of that. And so, you know, raising your standards and getting confidence uh, and, and kind of like leaving the insecurity behind. I just love the story he tells on this episode. Oh, that sounds fantastic. And as you're telling me this and you're just sharing this with your listeners, Scott, I actually just picked up a dumbbell. I'm actually just kind of pumping, ah, pumping a dumbbell here. And um, but don't mind me. Just so that. Yeah, I can I can visualize your veins popping out. Oh, oh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. The conversation starts now, Scott. Well, <laughs> I hope everyone enjoys this episode. Fantastic interview. But here we are. So, Darren, uh, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So, uh, one of the ways I like to kick off the Husband on Fire podcast is uh, just acknowledge that you are an awakened man. In process awakened man, I suppose. Yeah. 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 On my way to being woke. (laughs) <laughs> and and we're building a tribe of awakened men. Yes. yes. And you're a part of that with me, and I appreciate that. One of the founding members. Man. <laughs> Someday that's going to mean something. I guess you're supposed to go like that. Yeah. yeah. I'm still learning. You, you, you? You've got the tips. You let me know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, someday that might mean something. Someday that will mean something. Yes. Today, I'm not sure what, but... Maybe someday people would be like first steps. Wow, yeah. that's Darren Patera. He yeah. was there in the beginning. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you come from a kind of a um, famous-ish family. Ish. Yeah. yeah. What What's your connections to fame? Oh man. You were this close to being. I could have been. I could have been famous. I suppose. <laughs> I, I guess I do. Uh, I got some relatives that mm-hmm. are in athletics. Uh, Who's the most famous? I've got two that are probably probably competing. Probably my uncle Jack would be. He was the um, head coach for the Seattle Seahawks, and he um, also coached a lot in the NFL and was in the NFL for a number of years. And then I've got an uncle whose name is Ken, and he was in the Olympics in 1972, and he was a WWF wrestler over the years. So it's kind of where I get my size from through my dad. And my dad, he played football for the 49ers. So, so these were your dad's brothers? My dad's brothers, yeah. So your dad played for the 49ers his brother was the head coach of the Seahawks Uh and his other brother was an Olympian and a WWF wrestler yeah considered the strongest man in the world at one time so wow yeah I recently saw um, I think he's the strongest man in the world now he's on the Netflix documentary okay I was telling you about the change the game okay uh, was that the one with the with the the uh you Eating vegetables. See, yeah. Vegans, yeah. Yeah, I had lunch with a buddy today talking about veganism. Is it veganism? Is that right? I don't know. Yeah. Not eating meat. So. That's the religious, that's the religion of vegan. Is it? I'm not, I'm just practicing a little of the spiritual stuff. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so what's your definition of an awakened man? And I like to ask that question because I think everybody has a different answer. You've been experiencing some of this awakening, um, as a man, but what's your definition of a, an awakened man? Probably like a, a, a pure awakened man would be um, a man who's like who's aware of his masculinity and how to use it, how it relates to the feminine, how to relate to his, his wife and his children, lead his house, that kind of stuff. You know, that, that to me anyway. And it's mm. probably just because that's where I'm at in my life. But, you okay. know, how, they, how it functions together in relation. Yeah, you know. I like that. So I'm going to challenge you a little bit more. I love that answer. Um, I don't normally ask this follow-up question, but obviously it suggests that you've you were asleep at some time. So what, what what's the what's the opposite? Like what's the sleep the sleeping version of a man? What what is that? 
Um, man, uh, probably somebody who's more, um, again, like out of touch with those kind of things, doesn't really know what his role is or doesn't really know how to, um, uh, doesn't really know the gifts that, that God's given him in relation to being a man, like somebody who's maybe operating out of more, um, more, uh, I don't know, operating from a place of say more, I don't know if emotion's the right word, but just like not necessarily being the the rock that he's supposed to be, but being more somebody who's maybe a little more unstable or not quite, um, mm. not as grounded. Yeah. You know, because at least that, that, to me, that's something that I've learned um, in my adult life is just to be more grounded, to be able to remain calm in the midst of storms and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. That's good. Now, I know you're a humble person, so don't go humble on me. Okay. But I want you to answer this question. What makes you qualified to speak to the audience of Husband on Fire? You know, again, don't go humble. Tell me what, proclaim it with, with authority. What, what gives you authority? What gives you, you know, um, why do I have you here? Why do I want you to speak to this audience? Well, I mean, I think that um, just even in the, in the short time that we've known each other, I think I've, I've grown quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I think I've been able to, I've experienced a lot. As an adult, a lot of my life, my story, um, trials, tribulations, things like that, that I've gone through, that I've been able to come through, that I've learned from, that I can um, uh, hopefully impart a little bit of knowledge to somebody who might be struggling with those same things and be able to encourage them in ways like, you know, this might seem counterintuitive or you might really feel like you've got a case to prove, but at the end of the day, that really doesn't matter. You Mm. know, here's what your role is. Love that. So, well, good. Yeah. Sorry, did you have something else? I got nothing else. That's, that's all I got. I just spent the entire time. <laughs> and that's a wrap. So, yeah, we're done. <laughs> uh, so that's good. I want, I want to spend some time uh, on this episode focusing on some of the stuff you've learned. Okay. I mean, we all learn from mistakes, right? So um, you've had a lot of wins in your life, uh, and I want to get to those. want to just go right into like where somebody listening to this might be now um you know struggling with their relationship struggling with their life struggling with their business um what comes to mind as far as like uh where did you learn your biggest lessons uh along the journey so far um probably probably one of the biggest things that i've had to learn is um Again, like when I, uh, I think I just mentioned a little bit ago or alluded to like this desire to win something or this desire to prove something or, um, you know, present evidence to support your point. Like say if you're talking about something with your wife and you're just not quite jiving and, you know, you keep wanting to present like this piece, like, man, if, if they could just see this or why, why is it that I, I'm able to present this piece of evidence that they're just not, it doesn't matter to them. And understanding that it's not going to matter to them, you Mm -hmm. know, that they're operating more out of an emotional space and I can present all the logic I want and it's not necessarily going to help them when they're having, uh, when they're feeling something. Okay, cool. Well, do you have, can you come up with an example or? Um, Yeah, I can come up with some examples of things. Um, So, uh, I mean, without getting into specifics, because obviously it's stuff between me and my wife, but like, Mm -hmm. um, again, I know that I have that tendency. I have have a law degree. I went to law school at Willamette in Salem. And so I have a very much uh, a tendency to go to court with stuff. And um, if When you say go to court, you mean? Like to start presenting evidence. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if, say... um, say we're, we're at the house and something happens with the kids and maybe, um, maybe I was there and, um, and she wasn't, but then, uh, she was feeling something about the situation, whether it was positive or probably more in more of a negative light. And then I start telling her or showing her reasons why what she's feeling is incorrect mm-hmm. rather than trying to, again, be that rock that can, um, practice those uh the skills of, of listening and reflecting back to what she's saying to let her know that i'm really interested in, it, in how she's feeling not necessarily trying to prove her wrong okay so she I, you might be uh hanging out with the kids making dinner uh getting there getting them on track with homework 
you know, doing all the stuff. Right. And then she comes home from something. Right. And she goes into not not appreciation like, oh man, Darren, thanks so much for like taking care of dinner, getting the kids. But she's like, she notices, why is the living room such a mess? Right. Is her opening statement, right? Yeah. And we've all been there, right? Yeah. So... And then I start list, like I was doing this and I was doing that and I was right. taking care of all these things and you know and yeah. really maybe it had something to do with naughty that wasn't even related. Right. That. So the tendency is to to be like, what are you talking about? Right. The the that's that that's something you left there. Right. Or what about all this stuff I'm doing? We go in defensive mode. Yeah. We start, you know, shooting arrows the other way. Yeah. And. Uh, where does it come from uh, that what's going on in that initial like she comes home and that first thing that comes out of her mouth is what's up with this huge mess in the living room right what what's going on there like I know you have you know worked on the skill of like interpreting that so right what have you what have you um, out I mean again it's kind of like um, realizing that what she's saying isn't necessarily like the way I interpret it. The way I hear it is like, well, what's this mess doing here? I might want to address the mess, mm -hmm. but really what that could mean is like, why didn't you come over here and give me a hug and a kiss and tell me how much you love me rather than staying there cooking food or something like that. It could just mm -hmm. be a way, it could just be more of a conversation starter for her mm -hmm. than actual reality of what we're trying to do. And that's something that I've gotten, um, that I've learned um, over time is to see things more from her perspective. Like um, like you and I talked about that one time about, you know, coming up with dinner. Dinner is a meal that's eaten between 5 and 6 o'clock at night, you know. Whereas dinner for her could be meaning that everybody gets around the table and we all talk and visit. And then, yeah, maybe there might be some food there. Like understanding that there's two ways to see it. Right. You know. Like she might say, we never have dinner together. Right. right. And you're you're immediately thinking, I'm like, we had dinner. I, I cook dinner every single night. Like I'm a, I take pride in the right. food I make. I put it on the table. Yep. And she's thinking, well, we haven't had any conversations around the table in Correct. Weeks. You're just standing there eating food and then you rush off and do something else versus right. dinner. Yeah. Right. Or the um, comment why is it such a mess in the living room could mean uh, I've had a long day I've dri been driving for 40 minutes and all I was thinking about is like coming in and crashing on the couch and relaxing yeah. and really I could I'd use a foot rub right you know that's what she's thinking she says why is there a mess right, right? exactly so we have to like like just get, to get our decoder ring out right. and figure out what's going on right yeah Right. So how do you do that? So what's the what's the decoder? I think the big the biggest thing for me is just to kind of take a second and remind myself that I don't need to like actually address exactly what she said, but more um, again using either active listening tools or um, maybe even take a stab at what she might be feeling. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, babe, you know, I recognize like you've had a super long day and you've had all these things to do and you've been taking the kids to go do this and this and this. Like let's just let's just, why don't we just sit and connect for a little bit before we start cleaning this, you know, mm -hmm. mess up. Yeah, you know. Good. So tell me about a time in your life where um, things were maybe hit a rock bottom where things were really bad and never had one of those. No. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, just like <laughs> as low as you can. I mean, I know it's really hard to find those low points from where you live right. up there in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I'm, I want to hear like a li a huge life lesson from a challenging time. Um, so it could be growing up, could be. Um, oh, by the way, kind of give a a history. Um, you this you're on your second marriage, so Correct. give give a history of like relationship and kind of grew up relationships just like in two minutes or less what okay what's the history so i mean as far as as far as relationships as an adult um i did i, I was married before and i've got three kids from that marriage um we got how old are your kids uh so we've got uh, identical twin girls that are 16 
and I've got a son that is eight, and then I've got a daughter that is eight also through through Jen through my my um, uh, current marriage, uh, and then um, Jen has a daughter named Madeline who's also sixteen. So we've got three sixteen-year-old girls and two eight-year-olds, a boy oh. and a girl. So okay. And um, so I was married um, the first time, and we were married for 13 years. We had three children, um, got a divorce, and kind of, uh, I met Jen quickly. It was about a year later. Um, I was in really close with her aunt and uncle. And mm. so her oh, aunt, so you knew them before her? Yeah, yeah. I knew them before her, and um, uh, her aunt introduced us, and um, she tried to grab me up as fast as she could, so I was kind of... Obviously, I was like, "Yeah, sounds great to me." So <laughs> I wasn't going to complain, but uh, um, and then so we got uh, we met about a year after my divorce. Got married six months later. We've been working now for our anniversaries next month in March, fifth anniversary, and we're blending the families and you know figuring stuff out. So you know? a blended family um, comes with some unique challenges. Yes, um, on top of the challenges of. Just marriage in general. Correct. Um, and then okay. also some, some baggage that we both brought in from previous relationships, things like that, that we've okay. got to work through. And... Okay. So what? let's go to, to baggage. So go before relationships, growing up, like, um, like we all bring into our marriages childhood wounds, mm-hmm. stuff from previous relationships, stuff, hurts and pains from the past that... Yeah maybe are unhealed and you know in a lot of ways a a marriage relationship is a great place to like find healing right Mm -hmm. if you if you can really you know navigate it well so um you know give us some background like childhood uh you know the ups and downs of life like wins losses high points low points and kind of what you bring into your relationship from from all that yeah, I mean, I had a childhood. Really? <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. I grew, and uh, um, uh, and I would say probably one of the big challenges is um, the, the way that I was raised. I often um, felt as though I didn't quite measure up, or that I was. Um, uh, You're it, surrounded by giants yeah. of you know success, right? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that. Powerful so, men. Yep. And so I kind of, and I, and I, uh, my, my, my brother, uh, he made a decision early on that he wanted to move across the country and be, um, not, uh, not as involved in that. And so I kind of grew up a lot younger than him hearing just my, uh, one sibling, uh, my, my brother, I've got, I've got, there's five of us in our family. Oh, okay. I've got three sisters. Okay. And, but my brother, he kind of, um, was he the oldest? He's the oldest. And he kind of so took you're off. number two. No, I'm the second of the youngest. So okay. I've got my brother, then I've got two older sisters, okay. then me, and then a little sister. And um, so I kind of grew up hearing how, because it kind of hurt my parents a lot that my oh, brother that did that. They, okay. Yeah, that he took off. And so I grew up always hearing about that. And so I was like, man, I'm going to, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be the kid who's always here doing everything. Was there a, like, I don't want to disappoint mom and dad kind of thing? Yeah, for sure. For okay. sure. Like, and, you know, and I, I, man, you know, that was obviously a huge mistake that was made, even though now as an adult, I realize it wasn't, mm-hmm. but that was kind of what I grew up believing about the situation. Mm-hmm. And so, man, I, I did everything I could to always make sure that I was there, that I was doing the right thing, that mm-hmm. I was, you know, kind of like the, the classic, um, illustration of a, of a child that grows up in that kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I kind of brought that into, uh, my my marriage both marriages mm-hmm. the the good parts of yeah like I'm gonna serve and I'm gonna do what needs to be done and I'm always gonna be the one who's you know making sure the I's get dotted and the T's get crossed but then also the frustration that comes with it of never quite feeling like you can measure up mm-hmm. you know and so I brought that in and that's been something that I've been working through a lot is how to kind of shed that uh, um, nice guy image that was mm-hmm. created you know not necessarily coming with all the honesty in the world, but like I got to do everything I can to make sure that I always appear like mm-hmm. I've got everything together when I really don't, mm-hmm. which, um, so inside you recognize like even like even before marriage, um, 
Did you do like relationships, dating in high school and college? A little bit, a little bit, yeah. Okay, um, and then like uh, good friends, friendships, community, all that right. stuff. So in those circles, uh, but even in those friendships, I was always kind of that. Like I was the I was the friend who was always like you know picking friends up and taking them places to do things okay. or pick. Or, Can always or, count on Darren, kind correct. of thing. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Darren, is, do you have the reputation of a, a nice guy? Like, yeah. Loyal? Sure. What's Yeah, loyal and nice and like mm-hmm. man, you know, Darren will do it. Like yeah. if something needs to be done, he'll take care of it. it. Reminds me of that life serial commercial. Mikey likes it. Yeah, were you Mikey? Kinda yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um so Darren's rep the reputation of Darren in the friend circle is good guy, nice guy, helps you out. Yeah. Um everything got got it all together. He's you know uh, were you the one that people would come to for like counseling like you know kind of yeah people have always talked to me about those kind of things mm-hmm. like i found dude like, i got this problem can you help me out Call found me out later phone. in life that a lot of the kids who i grew up with were and i was not a partier in high school uh-huh. but a lot of the kids that i was friends with were and i didn't even know it but they were afraid to tell me that they were what was that well i was i, I was also born and raised a mormon Oh, and okay. so, uh, so again, that kind of plays into. Were the, most of your friends Mormon? Yeah, a oh, okay. lot of a lot of them were. And they and, were partying. And they were partying and weren't telling me about it because okay. they were they were worried about and even even friends that I had after when I was uh, finished high school over in Bend mm-hmm. and that they weren't, but still like there was something about like they didn't want to tell me that they were smoking weed because they were nervous that I would be disappointed. Because you're just like this goody two shoes. I at the time, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We know that's yeah. not the case, right? Yeah. Drink up. <laughs> What's in that cup? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Some strong coffee. Uh, okay, so you had the reputation of nice guy, goody two-shoes, always Kinda, does the yeah. right thing, straight yeah. A's? Uh, no, not no? straight A's, no. Okay, but good student? Okay. Yeah. What about your teachers? What did they think of Yeah, it? I think that my teachers would. Um, I think when I was in middle school, I was kind of more a little... I've always kind of been the class clown a little bit, you know, oh, okay. but... I could talk quick and I had a quick wit, so I kind of get myself out of it when mm-hmm. I would, you know, disrupt class. And mm-hmm. normally I could get people laughing and then the teacher would just want to move on. So, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. All right. So, um, and that kind of comes from that whole big brother and don't want to disappoint the parents. Right. Um, and were you, like, how did you rank <laughs> with your with your parents as far as like, you know, I've got I've got three kids and they kind of like, think they're all like the most favorite you know yeah but how did you feel about that like were you well, at the I, top I, of the list there I, I i think so and i yeah. think that's it's it's caused issues um with some of my siblings because of that mm-hmm. although now you know my relationship has as th- things have changed these last couple of years i would say things are a lot different now yeah things yeah. are a lot different now and um but yeah back then for sure and like i say i worked very hard to make sure that i always did things just right and i covered up every mistake i made oh yeah let's get back to every mistake i you know so you have this persona that this mask that uh everybody thinks darren's this perfect angel and nice guy does anything for you takes care of stuff gets stuff done right but inside what's going on Inside, I'm just like uh, deathly afraid that people are going to find out that I'm really not as great or as um, together or whatever whatever adjective you want to use, but that I'm really, you know, that I struggle too, that mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, that I make mistakes. But like I say, I got really good at covering them up, but mm-hmm. I would lie about them, you know. So you didn't have, I mean, people would come to you when they had problems, but where did you go? I didn't really go anywhere. I didn't really have anybody to talk to. So was that a lonely thing? Probably, I mean, I haven't thought about it that deeply, but yeah, I would, I would imagine so. I mean, mm-hmm. so when you think about it, you, you can feel that loneliness. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, how did you cope with that? What did you do to be to to cope with whatever insecurities were going on inside? Because you obviously weren't talking to people about it. So, what did you do? Um. I mean, food's always been a very strong source of comfort for me. Okay. You know, so definitely um, finding comfort in food. Mm. When you know. when do you, like, when did that start? Like, the, the, earliest like age? Early, earliest age I can remember. So. It's just always there? Yeah. Okay. I got put on diets from the time I was, like, six, seven years old on. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Um, getting put on diets when you're six, seven, that's really early. Yeah. Um, so, 
did you feel like you were getting a comfort? When did you realize you were getting comfort from food? Um, I don't know if that came until later on. Yeah. I, it wasn't like I read like, oh, good. Like, oh, look at this comfort I'm deriving from eating this food. Sure. Like, that was not a thought that I was putting together. I just yeah. knew that when I did, it relieved some sort of stress or some sort of okay. whatever. But it probably, I probably not until I was in my 30s, okay. you know, that I realized what was going on there. There's a connection there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And okay, so then let's talk about then your um, your healing journey from that because the wounds are you've got this mask that you wear. Um, there's pain inside because there's no there's a loneliness. I don't know uh, right. that some kind of pain of like uh, I can't let anybody know the real me. Right. Because this persona that's out there. Um, you know, everybody loves. You're like the everybody loves Raymond. Well, I feel I feel like I was kind of always like, um, like I was like everybody loved me. I was you know uh, I was always a, a good friend to people, like an acquaintance. But like as far as deep relationships, there was never really uh-huh. a depth of relationship. Um, I always had one or two friends that normally, again, I was kind of the one that was taking care of them. They had some sort of trouble or problem or whatever, and I was the one who was trying to make things better or, you know, sympathize with where they were at or, Mm -hmm. you know, I had something that they wanted. So I would, Mm -hmm. you know, take them to go do something, whatever, whatever it might've been, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm certain there's a lot of guys, um, that, you know, might, there's a guy might be listening to this that can totally relate to, to that idea of like always being the go-to guy, but feeling like there's no, outlet for me there's no place for me and so you've done and I know you're still in progress and you're still working on this stuff but you've done a lot of work uh since I've known you on um you know kind of the healing process of like okay being aware of this stuff is one thing right moving forward becoming that awakened version that best version of yourself as a man uh that's a process and so uh if if you if you have that guy who's watching who's listening that um that finds themselves in that place and they're 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 really in that pain right now they're really in that loneliness they they don't they don't um they have the insecurity they're um they're not uh they they feel like they know they're the only one who knows what's really going on and everyone else thinks they're they're just in a great place but they're dying for some right. something i don't know what you might know I and mean, what's your what's your what do you want to say to that person um probably take take the risk and open up and share with some okay. people what you're dealing with you know and find somebody to confide that in and start practicing self-care and taking care of yourself and um, not always feeling like, again, if they were like me, then they always felt like they had to take care of everybody else, mm-hmm. you know, but like, it's okay to put yourself first once in a while. Okay. Cool. You know? So give me some examples of that for you. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm aware of some, but uh, right. yeah, like what, what are some of those times where you, you did that when you followed that advice, you know, share the story? Um. I mean, I guess I'm thinking when you when you're bringing that up, I'm thinking about just in my um, in my first marriage, I kind of gave up golf. So golf was always a big part of my life. I played golf competitively mm-hmm. and loved golf, and and I still do, although it's more frustrating now because I don't have the time to play as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but you were really good. You yeah, I was just good. good. You were really good. Yeah, right? I was a good. Go- I was Wait, a good golfer. Were you ranked? Um, no, not necessarily. Okay. I mean, you um, play in high school, right? I played in high school and I, and I, and I redshirted a year in college, but that mm-hmm. was, you know, basically as far as I went with it. Okay. But yeah, I was a good golfer. And, um, but, uh, in my first marriage, like the thought of me doing something for myself was a, was not something that was accepted. And so I kind of gave that up, mm-hmm. you know, versus. Of course you did because you, whatever people wanted from you, whatever people expected, right. you conformed to that. Yeah, that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than being true to myself and honest and, you know, saying, no, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. You, know? you were so conditioned, you didn't even know that was an option. Right. I didn't, yeah. It didn't feel like it was an option to mm-hmm. me to get to go do that. Yeah. And so that's something that I've learned. Like, So tell me about the, the 
early memory, first time you can remember being like, wait a second, I can take care of myself or I can make my own decision or I don't have to do what the person's telling me to do. Right. Tell, tell us about that. Um, I'm trying to think of a specific example of that because um, I've definitely had that moment um, in recent times because that was something even with um, my in my, my current marriage that I brought into it. Again, kind of that fall right into not being able to take care of myself but make sure that everybody around me is okay. But meanwhile, I'm getting more and more frustrated inside. And so probably, um, you know, in, in, in a way, um, not that it has anything to do with my wife, Jen, because she definitely wants me to play golf and wants me to do those things. But I still had that same belief in myself mm. that like it wouldn't be acceptable for me to go do those things. And there's been many things like that. But golf still is one of those things that like I have a really hard time taking time away mm-hmm. and going and doing something like that for myself. Mm-hmm. Even though I know when, if Jen watches this, she's going to be like, that's stupid. Right. You know, I want you to go do that. Right. But again, this is about me. This is my internal. So I'm still working through that. And like, I think so many guys, especially married and fathers, right? Mm-hmm. We give stuff up. You know, I, every guy I talk to has got, you know, more than a couple of kids. Right. They're like, yeah, I used to have hobbies. I used to have stuff that I love to do. And it's been years. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things that I always recommend. Like, what are those things that lit you up? And you got to bring that back. Yeah. And not, not because... I mean, there's maybe there's a selfish motive to that, right? It's right. uh, it's good for you, but it also if the goal is to be the best version of yourself as a as a husband or as a father, you got to fill your cup somehow. Right. You can't expect to um, get all your needs met from, you know, kids don't really meet very many needs of the basic needs. You might experience some contribution, some growth from them. Right. Um, you're certainly not going to learn what it, how to be the best version of yourself as a man from your wife, you know, because right. that's a woman, right? right. Um, so, like, finding those things that you can draw, uh, you know, a source of uh, power, of, um, of just wholeness and who you are, right? So, so, recently you started getting, you increased your golf time recently as far as i know um last fall definitely was getting into it more and then as the weather turned i mean Mm -hmm. you know kids go back to school but it's definitely something that's on the radar um Mm -hmm. i took the kids to go hit golf balls last weekend Mm -hmm. you know i would love to make that a a bigger part of my life again you know but it's definitely having awareness around those things have they all come back no no not yet but i think at first you realized you have the ability and you have the permission it's like you don't have to get permission you don't right you, you know it's well, it's, almost it's like, an option like you didn't even realize it was option for a while right it's almost like you you hear those stories about like when saddam hussein died and like the people in iraq were now experienced some sort of freedom mm-hmm. but like they still didn't want it like they still didn't know what to do right with it that's so kind of kind of yeah that's kind of like where i'm at it's like uh you know, those stories that you hear about, like, the animal in the zoo that's, you know, fenced in by a four-foot-tall fence, when mm-hmm. the reality is that animal could jump over that fence. Or the elephant that's attached to the rope. Right, yeah, yeah. But Even because that rope's snapping. there, he thinks he's has to go. And so, so, like I say, I'm still working through that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but I definitely am more aware of it, mm-hmm. you know, and, like, and working through those things. And luckily, I've got a partner who wants to encourage me in that sure. way. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, whereas before I, you know didn't feel like I did or it mm-hmm. didn't. But again, I mean, a lot of that was from before yeah, way back as well. Just like, again, kind of setting my, my feelings or my desires to the side for what somebody else wants. Yeah. And, um, I'm making a huge assumption cause I don't know much about it and I don't want to throw your ex-wife under the bus. It's not about her. Right. right? But at right. some point in your marriage, I, I'm thinking, here you are understanding where you came from right. and kind of the psychology and the and the mask that you were wearing, uh, the persona that you were living out, and you bring that into your first marriage, and you said that was 13 years. Yeah. Yeah. So you're probably this nice guy, wife pleaser, people pleaser throughout that thing, and at some point you said, 
enough's enough and you you got out of that relationship um so and and again not to make it about your ex-wife but what happened in you because uh, at some point you you probably put up with a lot of crap I'm imagining just because yeah. of the the makeup of who you were at that time right and then something um, happened for you that must have been a moment where you were like okay I, I gotta take care of me was was that um, there at all? I, I, not not really I mean again that 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 uh, relationship ended it wasn't my choice okay so she um, like yeah. Pushed you out. Yep. Okay. And uh, um, so you would have the, just kept in that cycle for the rest of your life, right? Lo- I mean, presumably, or, I mean, you ang- anger, anger, and frustration still seeps out. Mm-hmm. You know, over the, even though I do like my heart is to please and to to serve and to like just be completely selfless, but still that that builds up and builds up, and then pretty soon mm-hmm. steam's coming out. You know, yeah. and so I and I'm still working through that kind of stuff yeah. now, but. Uh, um, so like I say, for, for back then, um, I mean, I kind of always knew and then, and then like, but when that relationship ended and then I would talk to people and I'm like, man, you don't need to put up with that. Like, that's not, you know, mm. something that anybody should expect. People accept. would say that to you. Yeah. People okay. would say that to me. And so, so, uh, you know, learned a lot from that process. Okay. So you started to realize, right. Okay. This isn't, uh, the way it's supposed to be, yeah. you know, in air quotes. Right. But, um, so you started to realize, okay, what. What were you, what were you starting to look for at that point? Um, at that point, there when the marriage ended, I mean, I didn't, I uh, I was, um, I wasn't really looking for anything at that point. I I, I wasn't, uh, I was just trying to get myself back on my feet, trying to focus on my kids, trying to take care of them, you know. And then, um, so you just changed your direction of what you were pouring into, you just right into your kids. Right into my kids. But you still yeah. weren't really taking care of yourself at that point. No, I still okay. definitely was not taking care of myself. I mean, I would probably say I've only in the last probably three to six months really started to really okay. take care of myself. So that's been a, that's a current thing. Okay, so that's the awakened man journey. Part yeah. of it is taking care of yourself. So right. give us some bullet points. Like what are the things that have been a part of your coming out of decades of a pattern and yeah. you're now doing some pattern changing in the last three to six months yeah i mean definitely like yourself. like i'm starting to take care of myself mm-hmm. I've, I've been um the last four or five months starting to um, exercise in the morning mm-hmm. which has never been part of my life i should say that when i was in college i had a good friend and we worked out for about a year year and a half and mm-hmm. i got in you know a little bit of shape i've never been i would consider myself being in, in shape but um th- but then in the last three to six months like taking it upon myself to do that, I've got a little gym set up in my garage with a treadmill and some weights and things like that. Um, and I've uh, started caring more about what I'm putting in my body and what I'm eating, mm-hmm. paying attention to the quantities rather than just like effort, you know, and mm-hmm. just good after it. But you know, like okay, I'm doing this for myself. Like I'm starting to realize rather than always feeling like I was doing something because somebody else told me I should do it, but really being able to separate out what I want. Mm-hmm. And as, as I'm doing that, as I'm improving, I'm feeling like I have more uh, self-confidence in those areas because I'm taking ownership of what I'm doing. Give me an example of that. I know you shared with me once about um, what's going on at work. Like as you've been experiencing this kind of awakened man experience, right. you're seeing yourself be different at work. So what's going on there? Yeah, I think I think at work, I'm, I'm again, because I know that I'm making the right choices at least according to me and i'm doing the right things and i'm feeling more comp more uh ability to call out other people on their stuff like if they're not pulling their weight mm. whereas before maybe i felt so defeated or like i really didn't have a leg to stand on because i knew that i wasn't really doing you know as much as i could do but now that i'm like okay i'm making i'm i know that i'm being productive i know that i'm doing the right things and this person over here isn't so I'm, a, I'm feeling more um, at liberty to help them to raise up too. You know? That is so huge because um, from your story, from, from childhood, inside you knew that everybody saw this level of guy. You right. knew you were down here. Right. And now it's almost like maybe it's shifted, right? Or at least yeah. for yourself. It's you know you're right there. And you see people around you that are down here. You're bringing them up. You're yeah. calling them out, right? And um, 
That's awesome. I mean, that's huge. Uh, is is this really just a three to six month thing, or? Um... I mean, I would say that that little piece we're talking about there is probably the last one to two months. That's awesome. So, I mean, and I think that's a part of, you know, we have this awakened man community, and that's a part of like, you know, I talk to guys about <clears throat> how to go through this awakened man process, or another way of saying it is, you know get your balls back or whatever, you know, just bring that masculine energy, that power and performance and passion back. Um, you touched on morning routine. It yeah. seems like across the board, without exception, no matter who I'm talking to, they've got a, like a morning routine dialed in. And you're starting off with like win, win, win mm -hmm. before you even step out the door in the morning. Yeah. And then another component is I've seen is, uh, raising the standard for yourself which automatically raises the standard around you right and because you're not willing to put up with what you were putting up with before yes yeah. and you knew you weren't who are who am i to you know call out anything right right you know i know i'm down here so but if you're living at this higher level you raise your standard and you start noticing wait a second that's not that's not good that's right. not good enough that's not the best we can do better yeah. yeah and you're and you're able to like um raise those around you too um anything else about that no like like i say i think that's been like the last month or two but i'm it's um very empowering yeah that's you know? huge that's exciting yeah so i'm thinking again about the guy might be listening that identifies with that people pleaser nice guy you know Everybody sees, you know, this great person on the outside, but feeling lonely and, you know, shitty on the inside and hearing that like, okay, now I've, I've got an idea of what I need to do. Um, what else would you recommend they do? So morning routine, raise your standards. I know the Awaken Man community is about getting guys connected, like lock arms with other guys For who sure. are doing what you're doing on the same journey with the same kind of mindset. Yeah. Um, anything to add to that experience? Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely say, you know, um, getting getting connected with you. <laughs> you, and, you, you and I have, uh, at least from my perspective, mm -hmm. developed a, a good relationship. We could talk to each other, to have mm -hmm. somebody that you can call and be like, man, this, this happened to me or this is what I'm dealing with. You know, mm -hmm. what do you think? And somebody will be honest with you back, yeah. you know, and, and brutally uh, honest guys that are willing to like tell you the truth. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Not just like, Oh man, that sucks. Keep doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Like, and then you just keep stepping in the same hole over mm -hmm. and over again. So, so that's been huge in that relationship. And then, um, you know, and that's probably, probably one of the first that I've had that's been like that. Mm. You know, where I'm not like trying to earn something, it's like mutually beneficial. So, mm -hmm. okay, what else? Um, was there? Did we, did we have something else we were gonna? I don't know. Just um, like you know, imagine that that guy that's listening. He's basically where you were at, and you're discovering yeah. all these things that are like really um, changing the patterns of your mind, changing the patterns of your routines, right. changing the patterns of your relationships. Um, you know, anything else that comes to mind as far as like, you know, what's working for you? I mean, prob probably the biggest thing I would say, especially from where I've come from um, and other, other recovering nice guys is again, putting, putting yourself first. You know, taking care of yourself and not okay. being afraid to do that yeah. and trust that if you are yourself, people are still going to accept you, you know, and it's actually going to be better because you're being more authentic and you're being who you really are versus trying to be who you think somebody wants you to be. I love you know? that. And you'll be more comfortable. Yeah. Be more authentic of who you really are. Right. So how did you do that? How did you start discovering that? Um, man, how did I discover that? Well, I know like one thing you mentioned is you're like, I'm, I'm a golfer who's not golfing. I need to get out there golfing. Right. Right. So anything else like that? Um, probably, probably one thing for me too, that that's real, this is going to sound really interesting, but, um, and this, I came to grips with a number of years ago, but I made a realization, but like, I never, I never liked being a big guy. Like, and I'm, I'm a big man. I'm six foot six, 350 pounds plus and mm -hmm. big guy. And, 
I always felt you, so much. You give big hugs. Big hugs. <laughs> I, you know, I can hurt people if they're not careful. Um, but but to like, but I always felt like, oh man, I got to be thinner. I got to be, you know, I got to lose weight. Again, I've been on diets my literally my entire life. Mm-hmm. Like, but like coming to grips. Not that I'm not that I'm happy at the weight that I'm at, but I am happy being the weight that like I'm happy regardless mm-hmm. you know and just kind of getting off that whole thing like I've got to be a certain something because somebody says that I should be you know mm-hmm. like my desires to work out and put better things in my body is because of my desire to be healthy and to um live a long life not because I think somebody else wants me to yeah you know yeah that's good I know I know just to expand on what I know about you is that um I'm Tell me, tell me what, correct what's wrong, but um, I know that you kind of probably went through this psychology change where you were like, okay, uh, I'm not the weight I want to be, so, and I, and it's really hard to be the weight I want. I mean, it's impossible, right? Yeah. I can't go from, you know, this size to this size overnight, so, right. you know, it's hopeless. Yeah. And then you changed from that to, I know that if I do... Yeah. The small thing, day after day, I'm going to eventually shrink. Eventually I'll get there. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to eventually get stronger. I'm going to eventually have an uh, easier time going up the stairs. I'm going to yeah. live longer. I'm going to, you know, go faster. I'm going to yeah. go longer. All those things over time, you, you connect it with little wins every single day. Yeah. And you got out of your head about... I'm. I can't go from zero to 60 in one, one second. Right. And that, and that's kind of how I've always lived my life, which is like, you know, go super hard, you know, for a month and then, man, then you got to recover cause you just burn out, mm-hmm. you know, but you got, I got to appear like I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing so much, mm-hmm. you know, versus like, man, every day I'm going to walk on the treadmill for 30 minutes and I'm going to lift these little weights for 30 minutes. And I'm not, and I'm going to start watching what I'm eating rather than having, say, you know, two burritos. I'm going to have one burrito rather than have, you know, in the morning, I'm going to have, you know, one piece of toast instead of two pieces. Like just make little changes, little tweaks here and there. I'm going to stop eating at seven o'clock at night. I'm not going to eat anymore late at night and just making those little things. And, And it's hard when you're making that mind shift to see something over the long run that's going to actually get you further than doing your shortcuts that you've been trying to take Mm. and it's hard because I know I've talked to you about wanting to like you know the temptation to go back and try something that I've done in the past that had very fast results but for me they weren't longevity because I've done it you know a bunch of times and yeah I have a great huge splash and lose a bunch of weight but then it's not sustainable for me Mm -hmm. you know it works for a lot of people but not for me so I'm like I know that if I do these things I had lunch today with a buddy of mine, and I'm like, I'm 44 years old. If I keep doing what I'm doing, by the time I'm 54, I'm going to be in, like, phenomenal shape. Mm-hmm. Versus if I kept going the road that I was on, who knows where I would be. Yeah. You know? And I know you've done some, you've made the same kind of connection at work. Yeah. What's going on there? Um, same thing. Again, right, like I do, I'm in sales, and I'm always out talking to people. And my pattern for 15 years that I've been doing this is, again, go out, talk to 15 people a day for you know, every day for a month and burn myself out. And then I don't want Then I don't do sales for several months mm-hmm. versus like right now I've set myself a goal of, uh, of two, although I still haven't had a day where I've only done two, but just two calls a day, just go out and talk to two people a day, every single day. And I know I'm going to be able to do it all year long. And every day I end up making four five, six calls anyway, you know, but it's just shifting rather than having something that seems insurmountable, make it more, achievable mm-hmm. and then overachieve and it just feels so much better yeah you know and tony robbins says uh progress creates happiness or something like that right and every day you're making little steps versus feeling like you can't or you're struggling i was talking to someone the other day and they were telling me how they have a um a, a workout area in their apartment complex and they really want to go down and do it but they just can't get themselves to do it and i'm just like just like start just by walking in the room just every day, just walk into the room, That's you good. know, then maybe start like do just five minutes on the treadmill. What if you just did five minutes? It's better than doing it right now. Mm-hmm. And at least you feel like you're getting a win. I remember that's how you started. Like uh, your first day in the garage gym yeah. <laughs> was just doing a little light stretching. Like, right? I was just stretching. Yeah. I was just kind of like that guy in a little coat 
doing that, you know. <laughs> and now you're an animal. You're yeah, just like, and, yeah. You're, you're, every time I, uh, you know, it seems like, uh, I don't know how many times you said, well, I got to get more weights because yeah. you just kept going through them. What yeah. are you at now? What is, what's the latest weight you need? Oh, I mean, it's nothing big. I, I'm doing curls with 40-pound dumbbells, but I started off with 20-pound dumbbells, wow. you know, and so my arms are getting stronger, and I'm feeling better, and wow. getting up and down off the ground. I'm doing some core workouts, so in nice. the beginning, getting getting up off the ground was a challenge in itself, and now right. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm, like, popping up, but I'm, it's much better than it was, yeah. but again, I know that it's sustainable, and I know that if I keep doing this, that, like I say, in two years... It's just a matter of time. Yeah. Whereas before, man, sitting there looking at the treadmill like, oh, crap, I should go do that. Uh, no. You know, but like. I'm going to eat a know. cheeseburger instead. Yeah. <laughs> but again, it's just that those little, getting those little wins. And then that habit becomes addictive. And then it becomes more. So like in the beginning, it was just a little bit of stretching. Now it's an hour long circuit that I've created in my garage that I do. And same thing with my sales. Like, again, rather than feeling defeated because I didn't reach some humongous goal in a single day. Uh, you know, setting these the bar and having these wins, it becomes uh, that that becomes addictive, and then you want more of that. And so I'm thinking about tomorrow. Who am I going to talk to tomorrow? And I'm making plans for that. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's cool. much better. So in starting to wrap up, uh, all these things you've done to work on you, mm-hmm. and and you've kind of told a story uh, in this in this episode of this podcast that <clears throat> kind of where you've come from mm-hmm. and who you were. Right. And what you, you know, kind of the the impact of that. And now you're seeing some wins. The last mm-hmm. three to six months, things are changing. You're changing patterns in your mind. Yeah. Patterns in your habits. Yeah. And, but that's, even if you, even if you, I know you've been doing a lot of study and work on relationship skills. But even if you didn't do those things, I'm thinking just changing your morning routine your thinking patterns mm-hmm. and um, you know some of these habits that alone would make a difference in your relationship but if you could just give like what's the biggest impact um, these changes in in yourself that you've done on yourself because you know I know your wife's working on it too but right. I'm thinking about I've worked with guys who their wives aren't working on it right uh, imagine how much more difficult that would be, right? Yeah. But, but you can tell by your experience if your wife didn't show up, uh-huh. um, didn't participate in you know working on stuff. You, you just doing your thing, what you've been doing, would impact your relationship. Yeah. So, um, what's like the one thing, or you know, top couple things that that you think this is translating into your relationship? Because it's affecting your health, right. affecting your thinking. Uh, your performance, your energy, your work habits, but how's it affecting your relationship? Um, I think I think probably the um, the best thing for me is the uh, again, and, it, and I don't, I'm not sure if it comes through just um, having more confidence in myself or knowing that I'm upholding my end of the things. Like my my need to prove something has definitely gone down. That's huge. Like when they're, again, thinking about that situation, if I'm sitting there making dinner and she comes in and she makes a comment, rather than having to point, well, look at, I've done this and this and this, and look Mm -hmm. at all that I've done. How can you possibly say that? From a place of insecurity. From a place of insecurity versus like keep stirring the eggs or flip the hamburger patty. Yeah. I know. You know, how are you doing, babe? How was, how was your day? And like, like you don't even really have to address why the the living room is dirty. That's huge. You know, and because that that inherent confidence, like I know I'm the shit. I know I got up at five this morning. I know I hit the gym. I know I did. I crushed my goals at work. And you're complaining about uh, a little mess over in the corner that uh, actually you did, but we'll just (laughs) not mention that. And you're and you're just able to stay present within yourself and not go into reaction mode. Right. Of Walk course, I know we but we all we all get there anyways. But, yeah. But less often, more often, you're able to just stay in that. Staying calm. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, definitely have times where I go back and I want to start proving something, or mm-hmm. you know, you know, again trying to please and like, well, but babe, I did this, this, and this. Like, why mm-hmm. are you so focused on that over there? And, yeah. But whereas, really, the place of strength is, is you know, walk over and squeeze her butt and give her a kiss and mm-hmm. go back to 
cooking dinner, you know. You'll be okay, baby. Yeah, it's gonna be all right. Daddy's home. So. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, that's so huge. I mean, if you think about, like, if we could see a before and after picture of this insecure uh, knows he's not measuring up to what everybody perceives, and has to. And I know so many guys can relate to this. Like, has to like try to prove stuff. Goes into defensive mode from an insecure place. Right. And, and and I know that of doing life with you for a while here, over especially over the last three to six months, you you are not that guy anymore, and and you are this confident guy, and um, and you don't have so much to prove. Right. I mean, I know you're still in process, so yeah. am I. But it it has been like if you could see a before and after. Yeah. Uh, you know, let's watch uh, Darren. You know couple of years ago or right. our whole his whole life and to watch him now and it's like unrecognizable the kind of it's almost like an energy a vibe that you that you have that you carry a presence you carry well thank you for that yeah, yeah. anything else on that uh, no like I say I think that's that's probably the biggest thing that and all this just kind of adds up to that point or you know whether it's if I'm in my relationship with my wife or if I'm dealing in, in my business or whatever like just the knowing that I'm doing the right thing on a daily basis, that I'm not shirking my duties, mm-hmm. that I'm taking care of myself and I'm taking care of what what God's put around me, you know? Good. So before uh before we got started here, you you uh you have a great facial hair. Oh. You got a great well, I was gonna ask, I was gonna down. ask about your because I noticed you're you've got some some yeah. scruff going on. You're growing I'm, something I'm out. I'm experimenting here, and yeah. it's uh, I I don't have the the Alec Baldwin in the um, right. Capital One mobility, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm surrounded by all these manly men with face great facial hair, and I'm yeah. trying to do something, but yeah. it's you know I don't well, know. Well, you kind of got the 1800s thing though. You get the mustache shaved, yeah. and you're growing this out here. But you, you um, said you had some kind of tip for me. Yeah, well, I had, I had read, um, and because I've always I've always had a goatee, like, and it's so funny because I remember as a little boy sitting on my grandpa's lap, and my grandpa was someone who like, man, he could not shave enough. Like, <laughs> he wanted as close as he could, like no whiskers at all. And I was always wanted facial hair, like from the time I was a little boy. And I would always, I would always rub his face when I would sit on his lap, and I would rub his face and say, "I couldn't wait to have whiskers," you know. And so when uh, when did when did it start? So when I was when I was nineteen, when I was nineteen, finally this little spot right here. So when I was younger in high school, I could grow like massive neck hair. It looked horrible, <laughs> stupid, but I thought that was cool because I could grow <laughs> neck hair. Um, and uh, and then it looks then great I, with a tie. Yeah, totally, and it was so comfortable too. Um, and so then I, when I got into college, I really wanted to grow a goatee. Of course, that's the mid nineties and the goatee is like what you got to have. And so I'm always like growing my facial hair just a little bit, just to be able to see. And then one day I finally noticed that this spot right here connected and I was like, oh man, okay, I'm growing it out. So I did, I immediately grew my goatee out. So I had a goatee since then. And then, um, and, uh, and then I wanted to grow a beard. Of course, you know what, 10 years ago or so everybody started growing beards on my beard now but I've just never been blessed with great facial hair up here on my cheeks and I kind of thought the traditional beard was the only option and then I was reading this article in Men's Health and they were talking about how they had like this article it was like 10 pages long all these different pictures of all these different kinds of beards and all the beards had names too like well these are like legit facial hair combinations here I don't remember what this one is called that I wear the Darren the Darren yeah and um and so I read this article, and they were talking about how, you know, you got to give yourself three months. Like, just don't oh, shave, wow. don't trim, don't do anything for three months, and just let it... I mean, you're going to look like backwoods, banjo plan, whatever, <laughs> but let it go, and then work with what you got, and then shape it into something. And um, there's... Mm. Uh, every once in a while, like, if I want to splurge, I'll go, like... The what? particular design will... It's like... It'll it's, show itself. Man. It's like who's the who's the sculptor that says the yeah. I didn't I didn't carve the David I just like yeah yeah Leo Da Vinci or whatever but uh, <laughs> but and then it feels so good when you go to a barber and like have them do the warm the straight razor and they mm-hmm. shape it and make it look all nice and so that's a ton of fun but yeah so that was gonna be my my advice like just just let it don't go. get don't get wrapped up in it man let it go give yourself ninety days. You you'll have some there'll be something there, and, and then we'll figure out what that is. 
you know, so. I'll still be competing with a 14-year-old boy, but, you know, nah, be you got, you're better than a 14-year-old boy. I got I got this little spot right, right about here that's like, nothing's happening. I know. I'm like, what is going on? I've got on one of those, right I, think, I don't know if it's this side or this side, but yeah, there's like a total bald spot. Uh, and it just is what it is, but huh. just rock it, you know, let it grow out. See well, this got. is not the the podcast for uh, facial hair help, uh, but this might be we the one episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's uh, just let it go, man. Let it go. Maybe that'll be a part of, uh, that'll be a theme going forward. I'll just like uh, include, besides, you know, the Awakened Man question, I'll be like, okay, what's your beard type? Right. You know, right. they call this um this this the Scott Sparse. <laughs> well and if you look, you know, uh Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, those guys, they've all they, they rock that facial hair. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're not necessarily growing the thickest beards in town. So yeah. well, I know good. plenty of Breathe guys that do. Yeah. My my roommate in college used to call it the the a buddy of ours, he had a basketball mustache, five on each side. <laughs> five whiskers on each side. Wow. Why is it a basketball? I don't get it. Because basketball, you got five guys on each side. Oh, okay. so he would he would always tease our buddy that they had a basketball mustache. It could also be a boy band mustache. Could be a boy band, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, Darren, I appreciate you uh, joining me for this. I appreciate you. your candor and being open. I um, I sincerely hope it will help at least one man out there, yeah. maybe many. Hopefully, and so uh, that's huge. I, I I think your story is a story of transformation and. Um, I think it's going to impact some guys. And so that's what my hope is with this Husband on Fire podcast. So thank you so much for being a contributor to it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, man, thank you for listening to Husband on Fire podcast. Before you go, I want to tell you about a special event I think you're going to want to be a part of. I'm about to launch the next Awakened Man Mastermind Group. And this is where high-performing men who want to really take an area of life to the next level, they go to get that stuff done. And the area of focus could be business, relationship, purpose, vitality, or fulfillment, whatever you need to get done. The unique thing about this group is its masculinity focus. So we're sharpening each other in the areas of strength, courage, mastery, and honor as we work to create amazing transformation in any area of life. So go check out the details and fill out the application at www.awakenedman.group. Go now. Thank you.